It's your past first point guard and trailblazers reporter, Mike Richmond. You are listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Thanks for making this show your first listen every single weekday, all free on all platforms, Monday through Friday. Make it your first listen every day. Tell your friends to do the same. It's Locked on Blazers, your team every day. Okay, we got a couple, couple, bunch of stuff to get through in this episode. Jam-packed. Stick with me. Let's have some fun. The Blazers played two games over the weekend, Friday night against the Washington Wizards, and then Saturday night against the Bulls. They split them. Um, I wish they had done it in the other order for uh, listening enthusiasm purposes, but what are you going to do? Wizards game was a pretty nice little win, and the, and the Bulls game was a very second night of a back-to-back-y type of loss. Pretty deflating way to go out on a road trip that was otherwise really successful. We'll recap those two games, talk about a little bit what we learned over the weekend. I think Trenton Watford um, really showed us something. He played he played really well. Um, he's he's His role has been... He's, he's found a better role on a shorthanded Blazers team, and then we'll close the show. Uh, we'll talk about Trenton Watford and a couple other trends from the from the weekend. What else is trending other than trending? Uh, Josh Hart, Jeremy Grant, etc. And then we'll close the show talking trade rumors. Uh, we will. This is this is this week. Like uh, the trade deadline is Thursday, February 9th. Uh, you are listening to Monday, February sixth. This show it comes out on Sundays. If you uh, if you're familiar with the program, Monday show always comes out a little bit early, but. Uh, we will talk about what the latest we know about the Blazers heading into the trade deadline because something's gonna this roster is going to change this week. So uh, let's talk about what might potentially change. That's what we'll do to close the show. But first, let's do what we do. Fastest recap in the West. We got two games to get through. The Blazers on Friday go into Washington and win 124-116. It was ugly early. They were down 34-14 in the first quarter. I, I watched this game with my wife and I said to her, is it over? Like, is the game already over? Down 20 in the first quarter, down 36-19. They clawed back to only be down 17 after after one. We were down 69-51 at halftime, and they win this game, the largest uh, the, the largest deficit they've overcome all season long. The Blazers' offense, while it was better in the second quarter, just 2 of 10 from 3 in that first half, but lucky, luckily, Damian Lord got to the free throw line to kind of get things going, and Trenton Watford had a really nice first half. Nine points in that second quarter to um, make sure that they were to cut a 17 point deficit to 18 like they just still they couldn't stop anybody but Trenton had 13 in the first half on six of eight shooting and it was it it was a harbinger of things to come because in the fourth in the third quarter rather the Blazers got rolling that thing was humming they outscore the Wizards 39-25 behind Anthony Simons had 20 points 20 points in the third quarter seven of eight from the field six of seven from three um he was incredible and when Trendon Watford checked into the game with uh with five minutes and 49 seconds remaining in the third quarter and and did not leave excuse me he checked in with six minutes and 32 seconds remaining in the quarter and did not leave for the remainder of the game the Blazers went on a tear they were down 14 down 14 when when Trendon checks in the game and they go on to win this game by eight. Just, just, just took control with a small ball unit. So Blazers cut that 18-point deficit to four, 94-90, heading into the fourth quarter, and then outscore the Wizards 34-22 in the fourth. Took the lead for good about halfway through the fourth quarter and held on a big Watford three with four minutes left, and then a big Watford steal to uh, seal it with a minute and a half to go in the game, and they go on to win 124-116. That is your fastest recap in the West for game one. Uh, Damian Lord had 
29 points uh, and six assists, but Amphrey Simons was the, was the star in this game. 33 points and six dimes, which is one turnover rant. He was excellent. 21 points for Josh Hart, one of his best offensive games of the season, to go with nine boards and two assists. And Trendon Watford, probably the best game of his, not statistically the best game of his career, but just in terms of impact and what they need, the best game of his career, 21 points, three boards, five assists. He was everywhere. More on him later in the show. He was really, really good in this game. Jeremy Grant, a quiet little end to the road trip. He had 10 points on two of eight shooting against the Wizards. That's your first of the back-to-back. The Blazers, you know, they get this win. They look really good. Anthony Simons goes nuts in the third quarter. It's a really fun game. You overcome an 18-point deficit, a 20-point first quarter deficit, an 18-point halftime deficit. You get this win. You're now 2-0 and in the road trip after beating Memphis. You have a chance for a sweep. You go into Chicago, a team that had a game canceled due to weather, so they've had, excuse me, the Wizards had a game canceled due to weather. The Chicago, who's, they're, they're, they're ready for the Blazers. They've been playing a little bit better recently, but right before tip-off, Alex Caruso ruled out. Um, and that's the dude who's going to guard Damian Lillard. So it's like, who's going to guard Damian Lillard? The answer, hilariously, was Kobe White. And guess what, y'all? It didn't work. And the Blazers jump out. Um, they they played well early and still found themselves um, still found themselves in a little bit of trouble. Um, they, they're down... 34-27 after one, like they, 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 the first opening minutes they get, they get going, but then the close of the quarter is rough. They're down, they're down seven at, uh, down seven at the end of the first quarter, but then they come roaring back in the second, outscore the Bulls 43-25 in the second quarter to take a 70-59 lead into the break. The Blazers scored 73 points in the second half against the Wizards. They scored 70 points in the in the first half against the Bulls. Back-to-back halves, 143 points. They're balling. They're scoring in every which way. Damian Lord's going nuts. Um, and what do the Bulls do? They say, anybody but Dame in the second half. And that anybody but Dame change, and we'll talk about that more in the second segment, really flummox the Blazers. They get outscored 33-17 in the third from from up 11 to down five heading into the fourth quarter and the Blazers never led, never regained the lead in the fourth quarter. Cut it to one twice, got as close as four when Trent and Watford hit a three with with just over two minutes left, but they could not come back. Uh, they lose this. They end up losing this game 129-121. That's your fastest recap in the West. Damian Lord, 40 points to go with four boards and five assists. Excuse me, five boards and five assists. Amphrey Simons had 27 uh, and five assists. Jeremy Grant, 13. Josh Hart, 13. 12 boards, five assists. He had a good game, uh, even if he went over five from three and didn't shoot very well. Shaden Sharp, seven points off the bench. Trent Watford, another nice one. Uh, 11, 11 uh, points off the bench. Uh, and... Gary Payton, who missed the uh, first game in Washington, returned and played uh, about 13 minutes against the Bulls, but there wasn't enough. The Blazers just couldn't stop the Bulls. Couldn't stop them. They won a game because they couldn't be stopped in Washington. They lost a game because they couldn't stop the Bulls. In fact, the Blazers, for the first time in nine games, the first time since December 19th in Oklahoma City, they lose a game when scoring at least 115. It had been their magic number, and quite frankly, it still is. They're 19-3 and when they score 115. This Bulls game was... It felt like it was about their fourth quarter offense because they missed some wide open shots. Talk about this more in a moment, but they can't stop anybody right now. They just can't. They're not a good enough defensive team. They're so reliant on being excellent. And on one on Wednesday, they got big contributions. Like you get twenty one off the bench from Trenton Watford, you're in a real. You've got a really good chance. They didn't, you know, they got a, a a total of twenty points off the bench in uh, against the Bulls, and even with an 
awesome first half from Damian Lillard. They didn't quite have enough. Um, it was this 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 stretch has been about their defense a little bit. But let's let's talk about everything we learned. Let's talk Trent Watford. Let's talk Josh Hart. Let's talk Jeremy Grant. Let's talk what the Blazers need uh, in that second segment. But before we get there, I want to tell y'all that this episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. It's daily fantasy made easy. Prize Picks is available on PrizePicks.com or on the app. I play on the app, and you can play a bunch of different sports. You know, basketball. Uh, Hockey, you can play football while while it's still rolling along. But I'm a basketball person. I'm an NBA person, so I play the NBA. And you are picking against the projections set by prize picks. So you pick between two and six players in an entry, and then you pick over or under the line set by prize picks. It's things like points and assists and blocks and rebounds and steals. Price pick sets the line. You make the choice whether they're going to whether the players in your entries go above or below that line. It's just you versus the projections. No field, no experts, no nothing. And when you win, you get your money fast and easy with quick and painless withdrawals. So why not go today? Get in on the fun. Go to pricepicks.com or download the app. And when you do, first time users, use that promo code locked on and get up to $100 matched on your first deposit. That's a 100% instant deposit match. You put in 100 bucks, they match you 100 bucks. You put in 50 bucks, they match your 50 bucks. So go take advantage today. Don't forget to use that promo code locked on when you do. That's prize picks, daily fantasy made easy. All right. So let's talk about what we learned over the weekend. Um, in general, I think the I think this was a really successful road trip. Uh, I, I really do. They go two and three. They hadn't won a road game in 250 years coming into this game. Like um, not that long, but like uh, not in the the year 2023, um, the year of our Lord Chris Kamen. Like they hadn't. They just they they hadn't. They had been a bad road team for a long time. They'd lost eight consecutive road games. So to win in Memphis and then to win in Washington, like that's nothing, that's no small feat. To lose the second night of a back-to-back third game on a road trip, like it felt pretty bad because the Blazers were up big in that, in you know, up 11 at halftime. The lead was 17 in the third quarter. Um, they were up 17 with six minutes and 38 seconds to go in the third quarter, like basically the halfway point of the third up 17 on the road and they find a way to lose and they you know and it's like you know they they really didn't have I guess they had a chance but they were like in desperation mode for the last half of the fourth quarter kind of scrambling back and they're just bricking threes so like it feels bad the way it ended like I'm not I'm not trying to take away from from uh, the fan base here like you should feel good about this you should feel whatever the way you feel and I understand that like leaves a bad taste in your mouth blowing a big double digit lead is like a perfect road trip, a 3-0 road trip was right stinking there. But, you know, they, um, I think we learned some stuff about them. Like, the main thing we learned is that defense just can't stop anyone. They can't stop anyone. Like, the fourth quarter against Chicago, let's let's talk about that, and then we'll talk about the Trent Watford stuff. The fourth quarter against Chicago, J- Jeremy Grant goes scoreless, 0 for 2 from 3. He was 1 of 5 in the second half. Like, um, Jeremy Grant scored 21 total points against Washington and Chicago. Like he's just, he just had a, he was had a funky end of the trip, right? Like he wasn't, he was not good in these games. To me, that is much more glaring than Josh Hart, who was excellent, excellent against the Wizards going 0 for 5 from 3 and passing up a bunch of shots, particularly early in this game. Josh Hart was just passing up shots late in the game. He's bricking shots. And I think we are 
and and I'm certainly part of this problem, right? Because it's something I've harped on a bunch in the show is like, you get attuned to noticing things the loudest that you have noticed in the past. So it's like Josh Hart can't shoot or Josh Hart won't shoot. That stuff like stands out and is loud. It's a big bright neon letters. And it's like, Josh Hart is blowing it. Get him out of the game. First of all, Chauncey just doesn't trust the other options. Um, Nazir Little's barely playing. Not barely, but like under 15 minutes a night. Played 11 minutes against the Bulls. Um, he just... I, I do think that that recently in one-on-one -on -one defense, Nazir Little has struggled. I know why he's not playing very much. But like, he's not. And, and it, it's... Right now, Chauncey Billups is more comfortable with Hart and his warts on the court. That just is what it is. Like, I'm not going to scream too much about it. Um, I don't even think that Nas is going to be like a crazy up, up upgrade over it. But Hart passed up a bunch of shots, particularly early in this game. And then he brick shots down the stretch. And that seems to stand out. That's like the thing where you're like, Josh is blowing it. But for my money, Jeremy Grant was much worse in this game in terms of like what you expect, what the ask is for each gentleman. The Blazers in the fourth quarter against the Bulls, when it felt like they were just, like the offense failed them, they shot 54% from the floor. The five of 13 from three, which is like above their season average. That's 38% from three. That's totally fine. That's above league average. Maybe they should have made a couple more because they were wide open. But like, you know, 54% from the floor, 38% from three with one turnover in the fourth quarter. That's what they had against the Bulls. You got to, <laughs> that's not a bad, like you got to take it. They scored, you know, they scored 34 points in the fourth quarter. That wasn't the problem. The The third quarter where they scored 17 were terrible was the problem. But like the defense is the problem. The Bulls shot 60% for the game. They shot, they shot 70% in the fourth quarter. Like the Bulls shot, the difference in the first half and the second half for the, in this game against Chicago was that in the second quarter, when the Blazers came roaring back and scored 43 points and took a lead, they got, Damon Lillard had eight free throws. The Bulls took none. Like, the Blazers got going at the free throw line. And the Blazers had a big advantage at halftime, 16-2 at the free throw line. Well, guess what it ended? It evened back out. The Bulls ended up taking uh, 25 free throws, but if you cut out the two at the end that DeMar DeRozan took for an intentional foul, they took 23 free throws versus the Blazers' 21. It evened out in the second half. But after a big advantage in the first half and the Blazers built a little bit lead, Chicago, with the sort of evening, natural evening of the whistle, I guess, is maybe how you would describe it. I don't really know. Uh, but like when it ended up coming back to Chicago, they got, ended up getting the free throw line. You know, DeMar DeRozan is, a free, is someone who gets to the free throw line with frequency. It's not that surprising. Uh, Zach Levine got downhill. They couldn't stay in front of him. He got to the free throw line nine times or took nine free throws, I should say. Uh, like the Bulls just got to the line a whole bunch in 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 this in the fourth quarter they took 14 free throws before the DeMo DeRozan uh intentional free throws and they shot uh 69 percent 68.8 you're gonna lose those games the offense wasn't the problem like the Jeremy Grant bricks stand out to me more than the Josh Hart bricks the Josh Hart bricks were obvious too and the Bulls in the second half they did something better than what the Wizards did they double teamed Dame and said anybody else but defenses when they double team can kind of choose who they help off of so they could say okay it's going to be Josh Hart or it's going to be Drew Eubanks and there were a couple times when it ended up being uh, I think Kevin Calabro kind of softly mentioned it on the broadcast and then um, uh, Corjez kind of didn't didn't follow up on it but Calabro had a great point the wrong people are taking the shots and that's exactly what the Bulls did they said anybody but Dame and we're going to stay home on Anthony Simons when we double team and it's going to be Josh Harder, it's going to be Drew Eubanks or it's going to be um and, and a lot of times it was Jeremy Grant and he just missed shots. He just didn't shoot well. Um and he wasn't super aggressive and then like um 
you know, he, he kind of got some mid post touches and was taking some middies and like, you just want Jeremy Grant to shoot threes and get to the rim. He's really good at those two spots. He had open threes and he missed them in this game. Like he just, he goes one of six from three. He's a 42% three-point shooter on the year, like or a little a little lower, lower than that now, but he's like a 40% three-point shooter. You expect him, in the very least, to go something like two of six from three. <laughs> a two of seven night from three is a very normal night from, from Jeremy, and making an extra three during that run in the third quarter probably changes the, the momentum a little bit. I don't even know if I believe in momentum, but at least gives the Blazers more points, um, and, and, and it changes the calculation of how the defenses guard them. Uh, the 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 there aren't it's not like you can just like get Josh Hart the heck out of there and put this like elite shooter in there. I I think this the way the Bulls guarded them is the way teams are going to guard them for a long time is that the Blazers needed one extra shooter to be able to put in the game that they trust that can play defense. Maybe that's Nas and I think it's fine to believe that that's Nas. I know the coaching staff doesn't believe that now. I don't know that from like whispers or sources. I know for cuz I watch the freaking games. Like <laughs> Nas just doesn't play that much. He's not getting that much opportunity. And I've seen Nas screw up a little bit on defense recently. He's had some trouble getting cooked, getting getting uh, uh, filleted a little bit on defense. He's a better defender than that. He can be better, but he's he's your shooting option off the bench, right? Uh, it's not going to be Gary Payton. That's not what he does. Um, Sharp is just too negative of a defender to play huge, huge, huge minutes. Uh, so it has to be Nas, and they just don't trust him right now. And I think the way the Bulls defended emphasize the need for if the Blazers survive they need Jeremy Grant to shoot well because they win games by scoring and even in the game tonight when they absolutely had enough points to win 121 they gave up 60% shooting and 70% shooting in the fourth quarter it's it's how they do it the other thing we learned over the weekend and this has to do with Yusuf Nurkic who was out for uh until after the All-Star break with a left calf strain. Uh, he left He left the game earlier this week after playing just two and a half minutes. Um, it was clear that he was, you know, he tried to come back from this calf injury. It was clear when he was on the court that it was like, uh-oh. Um, he, he did not look good, had to foul and get himself out of the game. And the Blazers announced on Friday that he will be out until at least after the All-Star break. That could mean that Yusuf Nurkic never plays a game in a Blazers uniform again if he is traded at the trade deadline, or it means that he's out for an extended period. We don't even know when he would return after the All-Star break, but at least the fall next week, he's not going to play basketball. Because of the way the Blazers built this ship, they're super-duper small. Um, they don't have a center beyond Drew Eubanks on the roster. So it's Trenton Watford's job, uh, and it's rightfully so. If you will, Here's like a thing that I got super-duper-duper wrong during the preseason. I thought Trenton Watford was 100% the Blazers' backup center. Go listen to the tapes. I was confident that uh, Trenton Watford was going to be the backup center and Drew Eubanks was going to be the guy out of the rotation. Here's the problem. Trenton Watford had a hamstring injury. He missed some games, and Drew Eubanks came in early in the season and played well and earned his minutes and earned a regular rotation spot. Drew's got some issues. He's not a great defensive player around the rim. He's pretty good guarding out in space. Um, he plays really hard. He's not an elite rebounder. He can get a little block, chase blocks a little bit and take himself out of position to rebound sometimes. He's just slight of frame so he can get pushed around other, other times. And he doesn't have a ton of offensive skills beyond being a re having really good touch, uh, shooting hook shots around the rim. Uh, and he's, but, but other than that, he's a little slow making passes. He's not a ball handler. He's not a shooter. Like um, he has, he has some limitations. He's a backup center. It is what it is. And I think he's been, um, for the most part, he has vastly outperformed my expectations of him this season, but I thought Trenton Watford was going to be the backup center. The problem is when Watford got into the lineup, he was a power forward. And I think what we've seen over the last couple days is he's just a five. Um, positions don't really matter. But what I mean by he's a five, it means that Trenton Watford's skills are not spacing off the ball. He needs to be involved in the actions. As a pick and roll man going against... Uh, 
teams that are going to double team, getting Watt for the ball in the middle of the floor and letting him be a playmaker is really, really good. Playmaking is an underrated skill, maybe underappreciated. I think it's rated correctly by the folks in the league, but underappreciated skill. Watford's ability to pass the ball and dissect defenses quickly with his, you know, process quickly, where the help's coming from, look off help. He made some great, 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 great passes in that Washington game, finding Josh Hart along the baseline. And um, he's, he's just a really good passer. And he was really good against Washington. One of the reasons he was able to be really good against Washington. Damian Lillard and Avery Simons were terrifying the Wizards. So they had to send two to the ball, whoever it was, either one, two to the ball. And Watford gets the ball in the middle of the court and he was making great decisions. He was getting past. He was using his, you know, he's good against mismatches. He's faster than a lot of big guys and he's stronger than little guys. And so when he does have a four on three, he's 14 feet and in. Trent Watford is a really good player. That's why I think he's a five. You need him on the court with space. And the small ball lineup of Dame, Ant, Josh Hart, Jeremy Grant, and Trenton Watford gave Watford the space he needed to operate. And they scored 73 points in the second half. They were they were freaking inc- they were freaking incredible after uh, when after Watford came in against the Wizards um, in the second half he played 17 minutes and 47 seconds according to the box score and the and the Blazers outscored the Wizards by 23 points he had eight points two two boards and four assists in that stretch like he had a nice little box score game uh, and but he had already had 13 in the first half he was even better in the first half when they were kind of getting crushed because they couldn't guard anyone I thought he was pretty good against the Bulls too it's just the Bulls exploited some of Trenton Watford's issues. On defense. But I think what the Blazers have learned, and here's the thing, is like, we don't know when Nurk's coming back. So even if he doesn't get traded, and I think there's a pretty good chance he doesn't get traded, um, I would bet against him getting traded if I had to, if I had to uh, wager. I don't. But if I had to, I would. Uh, so like, even if, if Nurk is on the roster, he might be injured for, you know, calf injuries, soft tissue stuff can linger. Um, it's just, it's just hard to, hard to deal with. So like the Blazers are going to be small almost for certainly. So Watford's ability to attack mismatches is valuable, but he kind of needs to be on the ball. He needs to be a screener, get the ball in the middle of the court, and then read off of off of um, off the double team in four on three situations. When he's a spacer, or when you put him with other non-shooter, non-slashers like Nurk or or uh, or Drew Eubanks as a power forward next to a more traditional center, he is not nearly as valuable. He's a weird player with a specific skill set that can fit against specific matchups against the Wizards. The, the Blazers' small ball forced the Wizards to go small. So they had to put two point guards on the floor, DeLon Wright and Monty Morris, two non-shooters. Because of the Blazers dictating the style of play, the Wizards had to go to a worse offensive lineup, which allowed the Blazers to play better defense. Their size dictated the game. Couldn't do it against the Bulls. Bulls they, couldn't, they couldn't force the Bulls out of the Vucevic lineups. They couldn't force the Bulls to go small because they just couldn't stop them enough for it to matter. In fact, I thought Watford was playing well on offense, but the Blazers Blaze just couldn't. They were not getting enough stops that, unsurprisingly, uh, Billups went back to, to uh, Eubanks. I don't know if I totally agree with the decision, but like again, like I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to see the logic. I can see the logic. Coaches, coaches want reliability. And when you're just, when you're playing okay offense or just like when you're playing, when you're getting just rung up on defense, you're going to try to make some changes and and you're going to go with guys you trust to make fewer mistakes or have fewer issues on defense. And the Josh Hart's and the Drew Eubanks's are, are the comfort zone that Chauncey has right now. Um, That's the lineup he prefers. Here's the thing. This lineup may not be here for, might not be here forever. Um, it's trade deadline week and things might change. I think in general, I just spent a lot of energy analyzing like 
small ball looks and what to do with Josh Hart and Jeremy Grant and the blah, 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 blah. The roster is going to be different by this time next week. Almost guaranteed. Let's talk about the trade rumors we have heard, the updates, the latest scuttlebutt, the latest butt that's being scuttled in the third segment. But first, let me tell you about Bill Bar. It's the best tasting protein bar on the market. My favorite protein bar I've ever had. I've been eating them regularly for about three years. Uh, my favorites are peanut butter, brownie, and cookies and cream, but there's all types of flavors. You got raspberry, you got orange, you got all a whole line of puff products that are for marshmallowy. You got a you got a uh, marshmallow churro that is super popular in the uh, among uh, locked on hosts in the world. Uh, you got brownie batter with real little pieces of brownie in there. There's a bunch of delicious bars. On average, 130. Uh, just 130 calories, 17 grams of protein, and just four net carbs with four fewer than five grams of sugar. On average, four grams of sugar. Pack a punch, good, pack a punch, and don't light you up with a bunch of things that are unhealthy for you. And better, the good news still available using Locked On 15 at Built.com, but now available for you to go purchase at brick and mortar stores, Walmart's and Sam's Clubs across the country. So. Go to Walmart, go to Sam's Club, buy a four-pack, find out what you like, then go back to Walmart, go back to Sam's Club, and buy a 13-pack. Get everything you love. Find out if I've been telling you the truth about Built Bars or go buy them at Built.com. Still a pass first point guard. I am still Mike Richmond, and you are still listening to Locked on Blazers. Let's talk about the latest trade news. Uh, like I said, like I, I think the Blazers are pretty much a lock to be traded, and the name that I have been saying, the guy most likely to be traded on the roster remains that dude, Josh Hart, in trade in trade talks. He, he remains someone that is uh, what who Mark Stein of the Steinline newsletter said is the, quote, among the names most likely to be traded. And, and Mark Stein reports that the Cleveland Cavaliers are among the teams interested in getting Josh Hart. Makes sense to me. Uh, the Cavs are like championship level good on defense, but they just have a hole at like dude who can play both ends at small forward. Is Josh Hart a perfect fit for that? Heck no. But um, he's a better defender than Karis LeVert, and he's a better offensive player than Isaac Okoro. Um, he's a be- you know, better offensive player than, than some of their other options. Shout out to Lamar Stevens. Like, they've tried a lot of things. That's their weakness. Uh, he's, he's probably, Josh Hart's just like better than Jetty Osman. Um, it's so, it, it doesn't surprise me that Josh Hart would be a fit there. Um, I think he would be, I think he would have some value there. Obviously the shooting thing, uh, maybe a change of she- scenery will cause him to shoot more or cause him to shoot a little bit better. Um, he's both shooting poorly and less this year. Although took five threes against the Bulls. What are you gonna do? He just, he just missed him. Although he gave up four in the first quarter that were like makeable shots. Um, so what would a Cavs Josh Hart trade look like? Karis LeVert makes a little bit too much money. You have to include, uh, include multiple people. Uh, I think the other obvious one would be Jetty Osman. He makes not quite enough money, so you'd have to include multiple uh, multiple people from the Blazers. So I think if the Cavs are interested, you're probably looking at a three-team trade uh, just because like simple straight-across trades are unlikely. Obviously, you can make the money work if you include, um, you know, get, get, find a Dylan Windler in there with, with, with Jetty Osman and figure out, you know, the most the easiest other money for the Blazers to trade is, is Justice Winslow, find his, you know, small money there at a minimum guy like like Keon Johnson or Greg Brown at the end of the bench. Uh, Keon's not making the minimum, but a lower salary guy like Keon Johnson or Greg Brown at the end of the bench. 
uh, yeah, you could make it happen. I think that it's more about the Cavs' interest in Josh Hart. And to me, it, like just looking at looking at trade machine real quick, seems like the most likely to be a multi-team trade. Although there's like it, it doesn't take a math genius to figure out a legal trade with the Cavs. The other thing that's been reported both by Mark Stein and Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report is that the Blazers are continually shopping use uh, of Nurkic and are having trouble finding takers. Which again, like. I'm not knocking the, the folks sourced reporting, right? Like what Stein does and what Fisher does is hard to do. Have people in the league that trust you and give you information. But yes, <laughs> yeah, it, it makes sense. There's logically, yes, it makes sense. I've, um, I've said it way too many times in the podcast, but I'll repeat it here again. I don't look around the league and see a lot of suitors for use of Nurkic, so it's not surprising me that the sourced reporting out there suggests the same. I'm just, I'm not even, I'm not like guessing or whatever. I'm like using logic. Like that's, that's the, I feel like that's the strength of this podcast is I try to just walk through it as logically and as straightforward as possible and kind of bring you along with me on that journey through what makes sense. Um, and finding a suitor for a use of Nurkic has not made sense to me. I've not seen a team where it's like, oh yeah, that, that would be, that would be the one that's, that's, that's the, that's the team that wants use of Nurkic and to pay him, uh, you know, for three more seasons. I just don't see it. I don't, I don't see it. So the, it is unsurprising to me that, um, both Fisher of Bleacher Report and Stein of the Stein of, uh, of the Stein line say that the Blazers, while are actively trying to move Nurk, are having trouble doing so. There's that's that's uh, that's the reporting that's out there. I think um, in general that's not like it's why I didn't lead with this stuff. It's not super big news. We know Josh Hart has been a hot name on the market. We know Josh Hart is like sort of an obvious trade candidate since uh, preseason. Seemed like the Blazers player most likely to get traded. I think the the Nurk stuff. I think first reported by uh, by Fisher. There's like that Nurk was active. The Blazers were actively looking to move use of Nurkic um I think that is that's like new and somewhat somewhat surprising but new as of three weeks ago or whatever um so in general uh I think this is just we're at a point where something's gonna happen the Blazers are gonna make a trade and Josh Hart's almost certainly going to be traded and because of what they might want back or whatever other players might be involved in that trade in the future. Here's the thing. I'm recording this at about 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. As of 11 a.m., nothing has happened. I promise you this. If something does happen, I'll do a podcast about it. Um, either, you know, if it happens in the evening, we'll just record a normal show. If need be, if like, if they make a trade this afternoon, I'll just hop back on the microphone. Um, I am, I'm, we're going to do five shows a week. We are going to do a trade deadline show across the network. In fact, at 2 p.m. Eastern time on uh, on the Locked on NBA news, the Locked on NBA YouTube channel, we are going to go live and have coverage of the trade deadline and talk about all of the moves across the league with the hosts from uh, from all the Locked on shows, something that only our network can do. It's going to be a lot of fun. Make sure you subscribe to the Locked on NBA show. But if you're looking for like Blazer stuff and this, this channel, um, We'll, I'll still do five shows a week. We're gonna we're, we're still gonna do a daily podcast Monday through Friday right here. But if stuff happens and I like timing wise miss it, come back because I'll do another one. We'll talk about whatever happens. If news about the Blazers happens, you can find it here. So tell your friends about the show. Make it your first listen, and then if I do a second one, make it your second listen. I appreciate you listening. I'll talk to you soon. Uh-huh.